You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. this morning is entitled, Nevertheless, Nevertheless, and that word will mean something more to you as we go on. And I feel that the Lord still has us dwelling on the themes in Nehemiah, but specifically we're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 7. So you can turn there to 2 Samuel Chapter 5, verse 7. And I'm going to pray. Father, I'm asking that you breathe on this word, that you would burn it in our hearts, that our perspectives would be different, that we would live a life that honors you, and that we would be vessels of honor. Thank you, Father, for... um, what you've been showing me, and I pray that you show us all it, and uh, your word would come alive into us in the name of Jesus. And give me grace to share. Amen. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands on our hearts. Pray this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. So let me read to you our main text. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. The theme this morning is this. You can face the impossible because God's face shines on you. Amen. You can face the impossible because God's face shines on you. So we're looking at this place in Scripture. Oops. I'll just put that over here. Don't worry, it's metal. Uh, We're looking at this place in Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 through, 1 through 10. And I'll read that passage soon. But let me introduce to you what that passage is about. The Jebusites said it was impossible for David to capture the stronghold of Zion. They said to him, even the lame and the blind will, not be, will, will be able to turn you away. Even the lame and blind in here will be able to turn you away. They thought, David cannot enter here. Yet the Jebusites did not calculate into their equation the God factor. They didn't realize that about 1,000 years before David, God promised the land to Abraham. 
And Joshua took most of the promised land. However, there was one main stronghold remaining, and that was Jerusalem and Zion. Zion's another word for Jerusalem, a specific spot in Jerusalem. So Joshua took most of the land, but the stronghold of Jerusalem and of Zion, Yerushalayim, Zion, was uh, that was unable to be taken for many, many years. Hundreds of years. It took David's faith and courage to rise up, resist the voices of negativity, and reach hold of God's promise. Are you starting to see this? We'll, we'll, read, we'll read in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. We'll start in verse 6. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. And there's two places in Scripture this story is in. It's in uh, 2 Samuel as well as in 1 Chronicles. We'll look at 1 Chronicles 2. Now the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will turn you away thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. And I had to go in through a water tunnel to actually get into that place. Therefore they say the blind and the, or the lame shall not come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. So that's our first reading. Then I'd like us to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. It's the same story, but good to hear it again. And this is a little bit more succinct. First uh, Chronicles 11:4. So recorded two times in Scripture because it is quite important. It is the beginning of Jerusalem as a possession of God's people. And this is why Jerusalem is so important, because it was so difficult to get. So many years, over a thousand years after the promise to Abraham, and after Joshua took the whole land, he could not take Jerusalem. It was such a fortified stronghold. It was a difficult city to take, the most difficult in the promised land. And yet when they took the most difficult, then it became their capital. It became their headquarters. The hardest place became their headquarters. And think about that for yourself. The hardest places to conquer in your life will then become your headquarters. They will become your headquarters. So 1 Chronicles 11:4. Then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, that is Jebus. And the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, were there. The inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You shall not enter here. Again, nevertheless... Maybe, maybe your Bible doesn't have nevertheless, but this is what I'm, I'm bringing out in the NESB version. This is the, the word that's so 
burning in my heart now. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. Now David had said, whoever strikes down a Jebusite first shall be chief and commander. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first, so he became chief. Then David dwelt in the stronghold. Therefore, it was called the city of David. He built the city all around from the Milo, even to the surrounding area, and Joab repaired the rest of the city. David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Amen. So here's the first point. Are you with me? You're alert? You're awake? Here's the first point. We are people of the nevertheless. We are people of the nevertheless. God's Davidic children are a nevertheless people. We hear the voices saying no all around us. And we hear the world chanting, you can't, you can't, never. Just like David heard the Jebusites saying over and over. Maybe there was a little bit of doubt in his own heart wondering if he could do this. But remember, he was the one who took down Goliath through faith. And that same faith is living in here to take a much greater stronghold than Goliath, and that is the stronghold of Zion. Nevertheless, even though we hear the no and you can't and the never all around us, even though sometimes our own flesh rises up and says, no, you can't, nevertheless, we hear God's voice above every other voice, even our own voice and fears. So again, we see here that David cannot listen to what everyone in the city is saying. He can't listen to the voices that say you can't and never. He has to listen to the voice of God. And this came out in the worship. We really need to take the noise and turn it all the way down and listen to the voice of God. There's a lot of noise in this world. There's a lot of noise sometimes in our own hearts. And there's a lot of speaking. And we got to take that and turn it down and listen and hear the voice of God. What is he saying? And how does this apply to Nehemiah? Well, many years later, Jerusalem was broken down and destroyed, but Nehemiah had a vision to rebuild Jerusalem. And when we read Nehemiah, and as we have been studying Nehemiah, we see that everything came against Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. That was the place. And the, the place of your call, what God has called you to do, that's where you're going to receive the most opposition. It is not going to be easy. One person I heard say one time, if it's God, it will be easy. I wonder what book they're reading. <laughs> Though they were, good, they were a good student of the word, but I didn't agree with them here. If it's God, it's going to be easy. Everything I read here is if it's God, there's going to be a battle. We're going to need to be warriors. And for Nehemiah, it was a battle. And over and over, they attacked him and attacked him. And, and he kept on going to completion. Now, God is a God of completion. 
And that's what the root of the word shalom means. And that word shalom is in Yerushalayim. It's the idea of completion. And so Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim which is Jerusalem, means something like uh, showing, showing peace or pointing to peace. Or some have said the teaching of peace. It has to do with shalom. It has to do with peace. But in order for them to have peace, there had to be a battle. So here we have in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, so the wall was completed. We're going many years ahead. We're taking our, our finger and scrolling through, scrubbing through, up to Nehemiah. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in 52 days. But I want you to see there that despite the opposition, nevertheless, they completed the wall. And God wants us to be finishers. I was happy during graduation. All of these graduates, there was 20 of them in total, they finished. They didn't just start, they finished. And God wants that character in us where we are finishers, where we're completers. Nehemiah was a finisher. And that's what David was doing. He was completing something that had not been completed in the generations before. It was started by Joshua, but it wasn't completed in the generations before. He just didn't go with how things were going and, okay, that's too hard and nobody, my fathers didn't do it and their fathers didn't do it and it's just an impossible thing. He said, no, it's written in the Word that this is ours, I'm taking hold of our inheritance through God. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion. And he did it, and uh, he did it. And then uh, because of that, we have Nehemiah later on rebuilding the walls, and, and Nehemiah completes the walls in the month of Elul, which is interesting, the 20... The 25th of the month of Elul is around this time now in our calendar because uh, it's in a few days. Elul is uh, a month in the Jewish calendar, which is very interesting. Uh, remember, their seasons are different, so it's like the end of the summer. And so Nehemiah completed the wall through the summer and the heat. He still kept on going through the, the heat in the summer. They, and it was an intense time, both physically, spiritually, but he completed it. But Elul is an interesting month because it's a month of preparation for the beginning of the year. Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the year, the Feast of Trumpets, then we have the Day of Atonement, then we have the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating the harvest. It's a preparation for meeting with God. And in it, some have taught, and I wasn't planning to share this, but I can see that there's some deeper theologians here today. <laughs> so I might as well share it. It's spelled Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. And so what some have saw in there is an acrostic for Ani, Ladodi, Vadodi, Li, which is I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine, 
one of the famous verses in the Song of Songs. Ani ladodi vadodi li. I am my beloved's, my beloved's is mine. The month of Elul in an acrostic. You know I often do acrostics. It probably comes from some rabbinic thing. <laughs> and they, they, you'll find that the rabbis taught in that way too. And so this was a month of the bride preparing itself to meet the bridegroom. This was a, a holy time, a preparation of the heart for the seasons that come ahead. But that's not my message. That's just a little bonus. Let's move forward. When we are shaken and confronted with the enemy's resistance, we go back to the written word of God. We need to keep on doing this. This is a time where everything is being shaken. Somebody asked me a good question. What do you think God is doing in the world? What's happening in the world? Everything is being shaken. We are being shaken. And if we're not careful, we may move from the post that God has called us to. Right now, we need to stay in the post, in the place that God has called us to and not be moved by the shaking going on. When we're confronted with the enemy's resistance, what do we do? We go back to the written word. What does the written word say? Because we can't base it on our feelings. Our feelings will be here and there. Our feelings will deceive us. The other people's voices will deceive us. But the word of God is light and truth. And so we go back to word of God. What does it say? Not, do, not what do I feel? And, of course, in Christian circles, you always hear, I feel this, I sense that. I've even said that I feel this, I sense that. But we really need to go back to what does the Word say. We find out what God has promised in Scripture and stand on that. And David was a man of Scripture. And while we don't read all the backstory here, we know that he's standing on Scripture. He's standing on what is promised. This is a time in history where we as God's children need to say, nevertheless. During this time right now, we need to say, nevertheless. God's people look at the insurmountable stronghold. They face the impossible and declare, nevertheless. I want you to say that with me nice and loud. Nevertheless. Let's say it again. Nevertheless, let's say it one more time, nevertheless. And while I was waiting on the Lord in this early morning hour this week, he said to me, I am raising an army of widows and orphans, the rejected and the broken, to confound the wise. I'll say it again. I am raising an army of widows and orphans, the rejected and the broken, to confound the wise. <laughs> and, we don't, and here's the thing with the widows and orphans. A widow is someone that has experienced a great tragedy. And when I heard this, it, I was, it wasn't meaning just people who were actually widowed. It was meaning, as the Lord was speaking to it, those who have experienced trauma like a widow, people that have been rejected, divorced, things have happened in their life that has widowed them in some way. And orphans. 
Now, one of the ways that some of the um, ultra-conservative, maybe conservative Jews, one of the Jewish ways of talking about an orphan is if your parents died, you were considered an orphan, or they would consider themselves an orphan. So my parents died, now I'm orphan. They use the word a little bit more broadly than we use it today uh, in our English language, orphan. So someone that's orphan, someone that may have lost parents, Someone that may have, and some they may not have died, but they may have withdrawn or rejected you. And there's some that have an orphan spirit, and that gets into their heart. And the Lord said, He is raising up this army to me. He said, He's raising up an army of widows and orphans, the rejected and the broken, to confound the wise. He further said, I do not leave them as widows and orphans. I marry them and adopt them as my own children. They are mine. And that really is the story of the Old Testament, that the people of God were like widows and orphans, but the Lord married them. And even when they strayed, he pursued them. I marry them and adopt them as my own children. They are mine. I want us to say that I, uh, let me, how, do, how should we say this? I am his. Yeah, that, let's, let's say it like that. this. I am his. Say that loud, nice and loud. I am his and he is mine. This is how we're going to overcome. Ani ladodi vadodi li. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. So let's ring with this cry nevertheless. Amen. For example, you may have been divorced. Nevertheless, you are married. You may be single, but nevertheless, you are married. You may have been rejected. Nevertheless, God has taken you as his own. You may have been orphaned or experienced tragedy or there's something, you know, deeply missing you feel in your life. Nevertheless, God has chosen you. And he is the best father and he is the best husband. The world may be saying, you can't. Nevertheless, God says, with him you can. So this brings us to the second point. And I'm talking like Jesus said when he said, with God, all things are possible. Now, when Jesus said all things, he didn't mean just anything. He meant all things that are God's will. Okay, so he said, hey, all things are possible. I'm going to rob a bank and get away with it. All things are possible. I'm going to go over the speed limit and get away with it. I'm going to pray in tongues, and then I'll get away with it. (laughs) All things are possible, so I'm just going to do whatever. That's not what all things possible mean. All things that are according to God's will. And we know that God's will is good for us. Second point. There's only three points here. Second point, like David, we are warriors that capture strongholds. Like David, 
We are warriors that capture strongholds. Do I hear an amen? amen. Are we alive? Yeah. That's good. I never liked it, but they, uh, they used to say back in America, uh, raise your hand if you're here. <laughs> the preacher, raise your hand. Oh, we got one person here. That's good. <laughs> Are you here? Amen. The promises of God often don't fall into your lap. You need to fight for them. And so this is what often we, we struggle with. Why? 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 Well, the promises of God don't fall into your lap. You need to fight for them. For many years, many years, hundreds of years, Zion was out of the reach of God's people until someone rose up in faith and said, that is ours. In the name of Yahweh Elohim, that is ours. And that was David, and then he took hold of it. The promises of God don't just magically appear. You've got to fight for them. Remember, Joshua fought for the promised land. Amen? You need to get this into your heart and spirit because this is critical. Sometimes we're thinking, oh, why, why is this happening? Why God? And that is a good question to ask at times. And one of the reasons why is we've got to fight for the promises of God. Remember Joshua 4 for the promised land. It was promised, yet they still had to make war. Are you with me here? It was promised, yet they still had to make war. David also had to fight for Zion, for Jerusalem. His hardest battle became his headquarters, like I said before. And this was the story of last week we were in the Holy Fire Center God spoke to me while I was walking the streets before I ever moved to Australia. He spoke to me to start a ministry in the center of Brisbane City. He put that on my heart. For, for 11 years, we prayed, and it seemed absolutely impossible for us to get into the city. The reason why is it's very expensive in the city. How can you do that? And we were very poor, and that was very expensive. And so, and then there was a time in our ministry where everybody seemed to have left. Not everybody, but most people, and it was a very difficult time. Eleven years into ministering here, and we were in the dust, so to speak. So I said, well, there's two things we can do. We can either give up, uh, and that was, uh, or, or just stop, you know, move on to something else, just those way. Or I can just go for what God's put on my heart to do. And that is to be in the city. And so I said, well, you know, we lost everything pretty much. Might as well go for it. <laughs> so I started to go into the city and just prayer walk the city. Just go around and prayer walk the city. I'm telling you the story of how we got into the Holy Fire Center. Prayer walk the city. Just go around and pray. And as I was doing that, God said, just get a closet and I will cause it to grow. Just get a closet. And so... Uh, we were walking one day, as I was doing this in the season of prayer, we were walking one day, and we turned our heads, and there was a sign. And you normally don't see these signs in the, in the city. Cheap rent. Oh, cheap rent. That really attracted me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And the Lord said, just get a closet and I'll cause it to grow. And so we went and checked it out and he showed us a few places and some places were really small closets. I mean, smaller than your closet. And, uh, you know, and then there was this one place and I looked and I said, that would be a good size, but it was small, it was small. I said, that would be a good size. And he took me through and then I was praying and the Lord said, do you remember the, um, the numbers on the door? And I said, yeah, I, was, I think it was 316. He said, go back and look at it. And it was 316. And he said, and even though the rent was beyond our ability, God said, I want you to move into the 316 center. So that was the start of the buy. This was in 2010. We moved in. Somehow God provided. People gave generously. Um, and uh, we have a lot to thank the Park Ridge Baptist Church that gave us a generous offering that enabled us as well as other giving that enabled us to get in there. And that was the beginning of the Bible school being on the Queen Street Mall in 2010. Now, the Bible school was operating since 2004, but we were in the inner city, but not in the smack dead heart of the city. But God wanted us to be smack dead in the heart of the city. And I'll tell you, it was impossible Nevertheless, God made the way. Now we are in 2021, right? Over 10 years, and we're still there by the grace of God. And God has expanded the closet into a bit of a floor. And now we moved across the street. It's 180 Queen Street, the 117 Center. Reminds me of Psalm 117, which is praise the Lord all the nations. It's the shortest psalm in the Bible. But that was the story. And one of the things that inspired me is David. Everybody said David can't get in, yet he got in. And this is the thing with your lives too. People are telling you, you can't, you can't, you can. But with God, you can. Through faith and perseverance, we inherit the promises. There is a battle. Earlier in David's story, Goliath's sword became his sword. You know Goliath's sword? The enemy was coming against David with Goliath's sword. David took the stone, hit Goliath, he fell. David took Goliath's sword. Kids, hold your ears now. This is not safe for kids. And Goliath and David chopped off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. With Goliath's sword, huh? He didn't have a sword. He used the enemy's sword. Later, he, used the, he took that one in battle too. So what the enemy has used to attack you becomes your testimony. And now you use that testimony against him. The enemy's sword becomes your sword. The enemy's headquarters in Zion then became David's headquarters. And it was his city. It wasn't the enemy's city. It was his city. We need to take back what is ours in God. So if you experience some trauma in life, and we all have, God wants to turn that trauma into a testimony. And it happens as we let God speak to us and as we walk in faith. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Do you hear that? We need to hear this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Remember, we don't fight like the world fights. We don't use bullying and force. We don't rip into those who don't believe what we believe. Us, yeah, we don't rip into those who don't believe what we do. And we don't use physical weapons and shout at unbelievers. And we have to remember this in this time. And we have to make sure that the things that are dividing the world, like who gets a vaccine, who doesn't get a vaccine, who's for this, who's not for this, we have to watch out that those things don't divide the body of Christ. The, divide, the body of Christ is under enough attack already. Let's not allow those issues to get into us. Because if we do, we're going to allow the enemy to divide us. How do we fight? We don't become like a pack of wolves and rip into other people. We fight through prayer. We fight through prayer. We inherit the earth through meekness toward God and others. Not through bullying, but through meekness. We speak the word of God, the gospel. And sorry, I have to say this, but I have to say this. We don't preach the gospel of vaccination or anti-vaccination. We don't preach the gospel of masks or anti-masks. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is very dear to the Father's heart during this time. We fight through acts of kindness and expressions of love. These are the ways we bring down strongholds. So we need to know what are the weapons that the Lord has given us. I'm already beginning to share those. And how do we use them to pull down the strongholds? That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything the government says. I don't agree with everything that the government says. And Anna will have to hear earful full sometimes. Oh, this came out and that came out. But we always have to bring it back to what does God say? When it comes to God's will, never say never. When it comes to God's will, never say never. This is what Psalm 31.22 says. As for me, this is uh, David speaking. As for me, I said in my alarm, I'm cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication. I said, I'm cut off from your eyes. Rejected, forsaken. God doesn't see. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication. So he felt one thing. Nevertheless, God heard him. So again, he's, his faith is not based on his feelings, but based on truth. Here's another 
1, Psalm 73, 21 through 24, and we're close to the end here. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. I should hear some more amens. Should hear some more hallelujahs. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. Because why do I say amen and hallelujah? Because hearing the word should be in a, a time of worship. Hearing the word should be worship to God. It's not an intellectual thing. Of course, it engages the mind, but it's a thing of the heart. It's a thing of, of, of worship, that we're bringing our worship to God. We are saying yes to the word of God. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. This is Psalm 106, 7 and 8. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Amen? They were rebellious. They complained. Nevertheless, God saved them. So you have your issues. Nevertheless, God cares for you. Nevertheless, God wants to do something great in your life because you're his covenant child. Last point, point three. It's never the less for us. It's always more of the Lord and his kingdom. So now we're breaking down the word nevertheless into three words. It's never the less for us. It's always more of the Lord and his kingdom. Don't settle for less than God's fullness. Observe how at the end of 1 Chronicles 11:9, observe how David grows more and more. And, I, and I'll read this to you. We read it before. I'll read it again. David became greater and greater. And the words there in Hebrew, it says his walk. And his walk became greater and greater. He became stronger and stronger. David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. How did he become greater and greater? Yeah. Yahweh Tsevaot. Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, was with him. Because the Lord was with him, he became greater and greater and grew stronger and stronger. Once you gain your ground, and once you gain ground, once you gain ground, you cannot settle down. You keep walking and growing. When God is with you, you continue to walk, progress, and grow. You go from glory to glory and strength to strength. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. People have been asking. I, I put a short video out about this. People have been asking. How do we respond to everything that's going on in the world? And it's like, what, what should we say to these things? 
And as I was praying, the Lord brought me to Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? Now, I need to, you to know the context of what Paul was writing to in, the, in Romans. What then shall we say to these things? This, is, this was during the time of Nero. And if ever there was an ungodly ruler, it was Nero. Bible scholars say he was the original beast. Of which I would say it's prophetic of the end beast. But he's the original antichrist, the original beast. Nero. <laughs> and if you spell neuron in Hebrew, uh, you spell it out in Hebrew, it comes out to 666. Um, this guy, think of Nero, he burned Christians. This guy was bad news. If you ever can think of a bad guy, Nero. And this is the time that Paul is writing to, this time of bad stuff, <laughs> tribulation, darkness. People, people have gone getting put, pushed around, persecuted, dying. What then shall we say to these things? And how does... This is what God is speaking to us today as well. What shall we say to these things? Afghanistan, earthquakes, lockdowns, pandemic, all the stuff that's forced vaccinations, all this type of stuff. What shall we say to these things? This is how he responds. If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Now this is what we need to hear. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Nero's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. The Antichrist is not going to separate us from the love of Christ. I'm not even saying we're in that time right now, but I'm just saying, say it's really that bad. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. None of these things that are going on in the world today will separate us from the love of Christ. As Christians, we are above the world events. We are in a higher kingdom. We are in God's kingdom. We're seated with Christ in heavenly realm. We should not be shaken by the things that are shaken, shaking the world, even though it does affect us. It affects me too, and I was getting quite down about the, the lockdown. And think about Sydney and all the lockdown they're going through. It is, it is a, a tough time, and I don't... I don't agree with all the politics. I just want to make it clear, but I'm, I'm not going to be talking about that. I'm talking about the gospel. And I don't disagree. Let me say I don't agree, but I don't disagree with everything too. I'll just leave that to 
<laughs> my personal opinions aside, this is what I know. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then verse 37 says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. In other words, we're like David. Nevertheless, he captured the stronghold of Zion. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So this is a time for us to be conquerors and to be more than conquerors, to be abundant conquerors. This is a time for the warriors to arrive. This is the time for not less, never the less, but more of God, more of his kingdom, more of the harvest, more people coming to Christ because the power to set people free is in the gospel, not in the politicking. It's in the gospel. That is the power of God onto salvation. It is not, the power of God unto salvation is not based on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which we can take a lot of pride in our knowledge, what we know above other people, what video we saw, the latest theory out there. Do you know this? I know it. You don't know it. Know it. And then there can be a whole division today between the haves and the haves-nots. Certain people have, some people do not have. And so there's a division between that. But let's not fall into the trap of eating for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're knowledgeable, but we're not feasting on that. We're feasting on life. We're feasting on the gospel. We're feasting on the tree of life, which is the cross. Amen. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, and those principalities can be spiritual and governmental. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is my source of joy. This is what I'm standing on. It was good for Paul, and it's good for us. It's tov meod. <laughs> Very good. So lastly, what does the Lord want you to capture? What has he promised that has not been fulfilled? What has God given you to build up? I'll ask that again. These are Davidic kinds of questions. What does the Lord want you to capture? What has he promised that has not been fulfilled? What has God given you to build up? Because after David captured Zion, he built it up, built the whole area up. He caused increase and in growth. So let's all stand. Let's all stand and we're going to pray. The conclusion is this. Yes, the world is in turmoil. Yes, the world is in turmoil. Nevertheless, we will be more than conquerors. Amen?
Yes, the world is in turmoil. And nevertheless, we will be more than conquerors. And right now, we need those Davidic leaders to rise up. And you are of that stock. You are of that company. You are of that people, the Davidic kind of people. The ones who say, nevertheless, more than conquerors. So, Father, here we are with your word. We don't want any other sword but the sword of your word. We don't want the sword of information because that sword will lead to division. This sword will divide between the light and the darkness, the truth and falsehood. Lord, we want to take up your sword. We want to thank you that it's a sword. It's also food. Your word is food for us. We want to digest it, take it in. It's like honey to our mouth. It's like bread and manna to our soul. God, in, in this information war age and this and that being shared, and who do we believe? We're going to believe your report, Lord. We're going to believe your word. We're going to believe your gospel. We're going to believe your truth. We're going to stand on you. We're going to take our side, not whose side, but we're going to take our side with you. We're going to say, nevertheless, we are more than conquerors. Now, Father, we need your grace because without your grace, without your mercy, we could do nothing. We can't conquer without your grace. We're not strong in ourselves. We're only strong in you. And if you don't fight the battle, Lord, we can't fight it. So we don't take any pride in our fight. <laughs> we take pride in your fight. You're the one who fights our battles. You're the one who fights for us, Lord. I'm praying for everybody here that there would be a divine uh, strengthening on the inside, a, a refreshing of their souls, uh, a touching of our eyes to see things according to, to the way you see them. Lord, that that voice of nevertheless would ring in their hearts throughout this week, no matter what happens. We're going to say nevertheless, God, you are with us and you are for us. And we are overwhelmingly able to conquer. Thank you, Jesus. So guys, let's just take some time to let the word just soak into us, to digest it.